yeah welcome to another edition of your of the den this is your boy isaac man aka the finisher man we got a very special guest man tonight i just wanted guys to let you know that you know challenges are everywhere in our in our daily lifestyle and our next guest man is a remarkable has a remarkable story he's a single dad um he has a son that's artistic and even though through the the daily challenges and trials and tribulations he continues to persevere regardless of what's going on so without further ado I want to introduce you to John Fallengagger. What's going on, John? I'm I'm good, Isaac. I'm good, and and I'm going to tell you right now, that was a great effort, but you but you didn't quite get it. So it's 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 Fella Geller, like Fella and a Geller, put it together. Fella you know Geller, what? we gonna yeah, get it, John. Now you got it. You hey, got John, it. we yeah. gonna get it, Fella Geller. Hey, we gonna get it, man. I love that hey, name, the, man. The effort is what counts, you know. That that sound like one of those mobsters' names, you know. <laughs> Go get Fella Geller. He'll take care of it. <laughs> my my hands are clean though. My hands are clean. Most so, definitely, man. <laughs> so once again, man, tell tell our audience just a little bit about just who you are. Right. So as I as I always like again to start out with this, uh, I am a dad. Um, I define myself as a single dad. You know, the reality is I'm I'm divorced. My uh, my son's mom is still in his life. You know, we we share custody and whatnot. But I define myself as a single dad because, you know, I have a child with autism. He has special needs. He's nonverbal, so he doesn't uh, communicate with verbal speech. And when you have your child with you with those kinds of challenges, you very much are a single parent, right? Because you are all in and you are locked in, and you need to be locked in. So my son is 14. Uh, he just started high school. It's very exciting, um, you know, achieving that milestone for any parent. And I would tell you that um, I started out on my journey roughly about a little over 10 years ago, you know, in the early days when my son had his diagnosis. Like many parents and like many men, there was a lot of confusion, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uncertainty, and a lot of questions. And unfortunately, when you're put in a situation like this, most parents, regardless of how prepared they think they are, realize how unprepared they actually are and, and the whole environment is. So, you know, like any set of parents, we kind of navigated our way. And the one thing that I noticed early on was the different ways that we kind of interacted with our son and with our, um, with our son's disability. So both of us loved our son. Both of us were present. Both of us were involved. But when you have a child who requires all of these therapies and all of these special treatments and specialists and doctors. What I saw from my ex-wife, his mom, was she just kind of took off naturally. She was a person who could, you know, she had the, the mind to be able to organize things, communicate with all of these folks, schedule things, and just put it all together. You know, very, uh, very type A personality, you know, and just kind of a, a go-getter in that sense. In that environment though, and this is a, a similar uh, experience that most men have in my situation based on the conversations I've had, is I kind of lost my place because I didn't necessarily know who I was, what did I do? Most men in these situations regard themselves as the breadwinner, the ones who make the money to pay for all of these things, which is awesome. 
unfortunately, that also wasn't me. My, my ex-wife consistently made more money than me, um, and that was okay. But of course, the issue there was, okay, now what is my place? She's handling all of these things. She's making good money. What do I do? So I went on a journey to kind of find that. And so beyond just being a good dad to my son, um, you know, I looked for a variety of ways that I could get involved and give back. So one of the early ways that I started out was I started a support group locally in my community here in the north suburbs of Chicago for special needs dads. It was a very casual thing um, to start out with inviting some dads, you know, from his school and whatnot. And we'd get together at a local you know, sports bar and just kind of share life. Well, I tried that and we got a few guys to come out in the beginning and then they stopped coming out. So then I looked for other ways to give back. And one other way that I did that was writing. So I had been connected with a, with a, a Christian disability ministry who, believe it or not, and I'll, I'll get to this part of the story, but I actually work from them now. I actually work for them now called Johnny and Friends, and they're a global ministry. And um, we used to attend a retreat that they would do for special needs families. It's basically like an like a all-in-one vacation. Um, when you have a child with a disability, they provide you with support and aid, a one-on-one and you know stuff for the parents and all that. Well, I connected with one of the parents from there, and she told me about a a small ministry up in Wisconsin. And she said, hey, we're looking for more writers. You know, do you think you'd be interested in being a writer, being a blogger? And I said, I don't know. It's not really my thing. I haven't really thought about it. I, I want to do some writing, but I haven't really tried that. But you know what? I'll give it a shot. Turns out I tried it. I liked it. I wasn't bad at it. And after about six months, that ministry got merged into a bigger national ministry called Key Ministry based out of Ohio. And they brought me on. And then I started writing for them and speaking at their conference and meeting some other folks who were actually doing things on a national stage, uh, similar kind of vein, special needs parents who were authors or speakers or had set up their own organizations and that kind of thing. And it kind of snowballed for me from there. I started writing for other organizations, speaking for other organizations, doing a bunch of podcasts and whatnot. And, you know, it really started to build up for me as well as I got, uh, I actually kind of rebooted that support group I had locally. So I, I did it again, got more dads out, got newer dads out. So I was doing stuff on a local level and then also on, on a bigger stage. Uh, of course, divorce hit me out of the blue in, in late 2019. I wasn't expecting it. It really was a trauma, at least for me personally. Um, and of course, in the COVID was right around the corner. So then of course we had to navigate being a divorced dad, handling uh, parenting, not just in terms of being uh, you know, separated and divorced from your spouse, living in a different place, but also with COVID on top of that. I had a, a job loss for a short time as well. So, so there were a lot of things going on there. Um, but you know, luckily I, I persevered through a lot of support. And that's the one thing I will say is um, doing all the things that I do, I've been able to establish a lot of relationships with people who essentially were a support network for me when I needed them. So a lot of these folks nationally and also people locally and one organization also too that I work with that I love to talk about. Uh, and, and if this is of interest to any of your listeners is called Special Fathers Network. Special Fathers Network is based in Chicago, but we have a national focus and we're just for special needs dads. And we do a variety of things, including a podcast, YouTube channel, virtual conference and all that. But I made so many great relationships working with them and all these other folks that I had the support system in place, which I think a lot of parents lack in general, special needs parents, but also the dads. Mm. Men lack support many times because they don't seek it out because it's not natural for them or they don't think it's there or both. And I'm here to say, one, you need it. It, two, it's out there. And if you need help finding it, 
someone like myself can help you identify with that regardless of where you live. But the bottom line is you got to get some support. And so through that, I've been able to navigate these things. And now, um, you know, I will tell you that even in terms of my day job, uh, I had been a, an elementary school teacher for years. And, uh, you know, just, you know, through the winding way of my journey, I am now working for that uh, organization, that disability ministry I mentioned called Johnny and Friends. I am now working for them full time out of our Chicago office. And I basically work with churches, faith-based organizations, uh, or even uh, non-faith-based. Anyone that supports disability, you know, I work with them, I partner with them, provide them with support, resources, and training. So, so I started out, essentially my story is, I was a dad who was lost, didn't know what to do, didn't know where to turn. But, you know, through the grace of God, through a lot of support and a lot of help along the way, I've been able to not only lift myself up and my relationship with my son, but also give back to folks who need it, you know, specifically guys as well. Man, it's a remarkable story, man. I'm just sitting here listening to you and I'm like, man, you know what? I can most definitely relate to that. I want to get back to um, where you started talking about not finding your place and being lost. Um as a, as a father myself of a special needs child, um, when I discovered um, that my, my son had a disability, I felt empty. I, I, just, I, w I just went blank. I was just like, you know, what's next? And unfortunately, you know, um, like you said, man, women, you know what? Shout out to those, you know, those parents, the mothers that really have to take on the toes of dealing with a child that has special needs because you guys are incredible. It, it seems like, you know what? Y'all just going to another gig and y'all just makes it make it happen, man. And I just want to talk to you about how did you navigate through the fact that you was feeling lost and you really had to find your place? Well, I, I will tell you, first of all, it was not easy. And it was mainly not easy because, first of all, um, you know, in, in some respects, I felt a lot of shame, right? I felt shame in that, you know, one, you know, you, you want your kid to be better. You, you want to uh, help them to overcome these challenges. And, and at some point, you know, everyone kind of gets that place where they realize, okay, this is who my son is. I still love him, but, you know, there, there are some things we'll be able to do and maybe some things not, and that's okay. But what I had to figure out was one, okay, I'm, I'm not fixing them and men are fixers, right? So I'm not fixing them. I'm not making all this money to take care of these things. And I'm not really the one who's in charge of this on top of the fact I didn't have those resources. So I will tell you that it was a long, slow process. First of all, within myself to really get myself to believe that I had worth and value. And, you know, one, one thing, and, th and this is where that I really lean into this idea of getting support, right? Because, you know, at, at the time when we were wrestling with these things, you know, I remember, you know, we belonged to a church and there was a, a men's ministry that would meet and they would meet like every Friday night. And I remember, you know, there was one night I went in there and, you know, I was really dejected because I had all this stuff going on. We were actually going through a very hard season. You know, I had a job loss. Um, financially, we were stressed. You know, we had our son's situation and, and I don't know if our marriage was going to make it. So, you know, I remember going into one of those meetings and, and really laying it all on the table for these guys. And, and most of these men, pretty much all of them were older than me and some of them significantly. And I'm expecting to get some sage advice some wisdom here, some direction. And essentially, none of them had anything for me, maybe just because it was just too overwhelming for them. But the only advice I really got from the group leader was, I'm sorry to hear that. It's tough you're going through that. But what you need to hear is that it's going to be okay. Now, here's the thing. That is the worst advice you can give somebody in the middle of trauma. 
to just tell them it's going to be okay. You might mean well, you might have a good heart in that or good intentions, but people just don't need to hear it's okay. People need to have, you know, you put an arm around them, carry them through, walk through. And, and so, you know, eventually what wound up happening is, you know, we, we found a different church home. I found a different group of guys and they did that. And they came around me, you know, they talked to me, they check in on me, they pray with me. They would do all of these things that let me know that I did have worth and value and it lifted me up. And so really I just started out being involved in things from a church perspective, as far as being connected with men, being connected with men's groups, you know, doing some you know different uh, service type projects with them that really made me feel like I had value again. And then over time, you know, as I kind of walked down that road, then slowly those things started to unfold as far as, hey, you might be good at giving back. You might be good at being a mentor to another guy. You might be good at giving back. But that was the ultimate lesson I learned was you can get filled up. The people will walk into your life to take care of you when needed. But you always, always, always have to make sure that you are ready to give that back at a moment's notice, because you never know the conversation you're going to have with someone. You never know the person that's going to come into your space just for the sole purpose of that person has no one else. And maybe you're the person that speaks into their life, gives them some hope and maybe turns things around for them. And you know what? Maybe you won't even know that because it's just not something that'll, you know, uh, come to you or maybe anything that they ever share with you. But you always have to know that you can make a difference, even in the smallest ways. You have no idea the kind of impact you can have. You know, um, doing my men's group today at work, um, that's one of the things I expressed to my group. I said, look, I can't keep it unless I give it away. So it's like for me, you know, whatever knowledge, whatever resources, whatever energy that I have that I need to give away in order for me to keep it, I'm going to give it to you at no cost. It's not going to cost you anything. The only thing that you're going to have to do is listen and apply. And that's it. So I, I think that's that's wonderful. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to ask you a tough question. In, in, a proce- in that process, at any time, um, did you feel like that once you found out, you know, your condition of your son, right? You talk about um, feeling lost and feeling, you know, having that failure and having that shame, right? How long did it take for you to really accept the fact that your son had a major dis- disability? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, and I think like most parents, it's a, it's many times it's a long process. You know, sometimes it is. if you have a you know, a child that's born and the doctor comes out and says, okay, your child absolutely has this. That's one thing. But when you're dealing with a developmental disability like autism, it unfolds slowly. So I'll, I'll tell you this quick story. So we noticed some things that were maybe a little bit off or not sure, you know, he wasn't really making a lot of noise verbally as far as babbling and you know what, you know, kids do at a very young age. And when he was 18 months, we took him to the pediatrician for that checkup. And that's usually the point where they ask you some of those questions like, okay, are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? If we're not seeing this, we might have a problem. So we mentioned some of the things and what the pediatrician famously said to us was, I want you to go across the street to the professional building over there by the hospital and they have a speech therapist that'll work with your kid. And what the doctor literally said to us was, I don't know what they do, but they play with the kids and make them talk. So just send them over there and you know it'll be all right. And now, of course, you know, I, I had a background as a teacher. My, my wife did as well. You know, we, we understood kids from a certain age standpoint, but it was our first child. We really didn't know what was happening here. So you go to see the speech therapist. And then after a few sessions, now there's something else here. 
Maybe it's the hearing. Let's go test the hearing. Now the hearing is fine. All right, let's go get them some services. In Illinois, they have something called early intervention where if the child is under three, you get free services through the state as far as specialists coming into the house, therapists, that kind of thing. And they said, yeah, there's probably something here. And it really wasn't until he was, I would tell you, almost three, that we went to a, a, a neuropsychologist who finally made the diagnosis of, it wasn't autism at the time, it was something called PDD, which is similar to autism. They just had a different classification for it. And now it's just straight autism. But, you know, it was it was really a, a couple of years, you know, and really his entire life where we said something's off and finally we have an answer. But here's the thing, even with that diagnosis, as you may have an answer, but now you now have a whole other basket of questions. Exactly. What are we doing for therapy? What is that going to look like? What's our what's our long term prognosis here? Are we talking about okay, he's going to be doing this a couple years, three years, five years? Well, I'll tell you what. He's 14. We've been doing it his whole life, and he will probably be doing it the rest of his life because that is just what it is. So I think you know, in some ways, it's almost the mercy of in some families you get the diagnosis from the day they're born and maybe that prepares you better. In some cases, you get it gradually over time. For some folks, it may be easier, some not. I'm not saying that there's one that's better or worse, but I think for everyone, it's different just based on your experience. You know, at, at the end of the day, does it make it any easier that we had time? Not necessarily. However, I will say that I can see how I grew as a man, I grew as a parent to him because we had that slow progression over time to kind of acclimate to things. Most definitely, man, because my son, um, he was born one pound, six ounces at six wow. months. Um, I, rem I remember seeing him after he came out as mom and he was just like a ball of jelly. Wow. And um, the doctor looked at me and he said, look, we're going to try to do everything we possibly can, but we're not going to promise you nothing. And as a father, at that point in time, I, I just didn't know what to feel. But you know what, John? I had faith, man. You know what I'm saying? That everything that was going to be all right. And, you know, after that, he had several surgeries. Um, and we went through that same process, man, going to different doctors, um, getting different diagnoses, you know, just trying to figure out, like, really, really what it is. And when we really got our finger on it, man, it felt, we felt relieved. Like, okay, now we know what it is. And now we can continue to move forward. And I'm going to tell you, for any parent, any parent, it's a tough job because you have to be selfless because everything that you have and all the energy that, that you can push out needs to be towards assisting and raising that child. And it, it's, it's not always easy. You know, it is not always easy, man. Sometimes sometimes it's just you get to a place, you be like, man, what the hell am I doing? Like, like give me strength. So I most definitely commend you, John, man. I'm, look, let me tell you something, man. You my hero. I'm telling you, man, because that's a lot. That's a lot. 
But you know, I'm gonna ask you. You know, do you like at any given time? Do you feel like like, damn, I, I want to date. I want to go out. I, you know, I want to have a good time. You know, I want some companionship. What, what's that? What's what are those feelings like when they come about? As far as being like a, a divorced guy now, so to speak. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you know what? Um, it's it's challenging. It's challenging. Now I, I will say this: I have. You know, we, we maintain a pretty tight schedule as far as who has and what nights and whatnot. And, and I will say this, my my ex's mom is, is pretty flexible with that. You know, we, we always work together pretty well. Um, but, you know, what what's unique is this, you know, um, you know, first of all, I, I spent 15 years as a married man. I was with my ex 17 years. You know, first of all, dating is weird. D- dating is weird in 2022. <laughs> dating is weird at this age. And what's especially challenging is that, you know, you meet women that may be moms, but don't have special needs kids or women that have no kids at all, whether they were married or not. And it's so difficult to really explain what I have going on with my son, because for some people, when you say my child has autism, they may think, oh, so they're, you know, they just, you know, maybe act a little differently or they're distracted or, you know, something's off. And I'm like, no, you need to understand. My son has autism, does not speak, cannot really do any one thing totally independently. And to be quite honest with you, to be brutally honest with you, he is still not fully potty trained, right? So, you know, these are the kind of things that, you know, it's not good first date material, but it is something I need to be honest about. Hey, this is what I have going on. You know what? I, I may not be able to respond with to your text right away. I may not be able to, to call you all the time, especially if I have my son. If I don't have my son, it's different. But then, of course, life is unique and interesting because on the night you don't have him, you know, you're still responsible for maintaining your own life and your household. Exactly, exactly. That and the other. So it really is a juggle. And what I would say is this, like, I, I have dated some. I have dated, you know, a, a couple of women for a short time. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, the reality is, is that you, when you were married and you had this situation, it took a lot for you to make it work. Exactly. It, it's equally challenging to make it work now when you're in two different households. But the bottom line is, is that I cannot, I cannot withdraw from my role as a father to my son, regardless of how much I might want to say, boy, I'd love to go out. I'd love to do this. I'd love to, you know, have this date or whatever it is. He's got to come first, right? And and the right person will understand that. Exactly. But there's still a frustration with, okay, you know, I, I really didn't expect to be at this place in my life at this time. But guess what? I do believe, and I have faith that there's a plan, and I do believe that it's it's leading it's leading to better things. So exactly, John, your story is incredible. It is incredible, man. You're my hero, man. I'm I'm proud of you, man. So. What would you say to some of the fathers that's out there that's, that has experienced what you've experienced or going through what you've been through? What would you like to tell them tonight? So this is this is the, the basic advice I always give. And, and having been a teacher for so long, I have a teacher mentality and a teacher brain. So I break it down to a number one with a little A and a number one with a little B next to it. Number one A, for me at least, is faith, right? I'm nothing without my faith. 
right? My faith has been my foundation and my rock, my Christian faith for as long as I've gone, you know, my, my church experience, my church family, uh, you know, especially brothers and, and sisters, quite honestly, who have come into my life, spoken into me, prayed for me, et cetera. Now I realize, and I, and I have non-Christian friends. I have non-religious friends. You may have listeners that are not Christian, not religious, whatever. That's fine. I'm not here to proselytize or tell you what you need to do as far as that's concerned. Your spirituality is, is your own. However, you can't do this without one B and one B is community. You must have a community. You must have people around you to lift you up, support you. Even if you're married, even if you think everything is going well, you know what, you never know what's around the corner and there are many different seasons of life, especially on this road. So make sure that you are reaching out to guys in your community that get you. It's great to have friends that are your friends no matter what, and maybe they've known you for years before you were a parent or whatever, but you also need guys who understand what you're going through as a special needs parent, right? Especially if you're divorced in, in those situations. So, you know, I, I tell guys, listen, get connected with somebody you know if, if you have a church great if you don't have a church that's not that's in fine get yourself a support group you don't have anything in your local area you know what there's lots of online stuff we especially know that through covid right everything is online now and and i know that we're all kind of burned out and frustrated with that as far as the screen time but you know what with guys virtually maybe able to also help you connect with guys in person, you know, local or not type of thing. So I encourage guys, if you don't have a community and if you don't know where to look, feel free to reach out to me. I'm happy to talk you through it. I'm happy to connect you with guys. I have a lot of connections all over the place. Special Fathers Network, as I've been boosting that, is a, is a great place to start because through that organization, they actually have a mentoring program. So you can get connected with a mentor father. doesn't matter where you live. You can get connected with one in your area. You could get connected with one online, someone who maybe has the same, their kid might have the same disability as yours, or maybe, uh, you know, similar story, similar situation to yours, get connected with them. There's all kinds of opportunities. And there's all kinds of resources out there. And if you don't know where to start, you know, that's why I say, Hey, anyone can reach out to me any, at any time and I'll try to connect you and you know, get you taken care of. You have to have guys with you. Well, you heard it here first, man, on the den. John, <clears throat> let me tell you something. Once again, your story is remarkable. I want to thank you for just coming to hang out with me tonight and sharing your story. So tell our audience how they can get in contact with you. Absolutely. So as I like as I like to joke, if you punch my name into the Google machine, you'll find all kinds of stuff about me. So I do have a website and it's just my name.com, johnfellageller.com. You can go to my website, check out a lot of the stuff I'm involved with, my partner organizations. If there's something you like and want to get connected with, feel free. You can reach out to me on social media. I'm on Facebook. Feel free to send me a friend request. I also have a blog page on Facebook as well. It's just John Special Needs Blog, John Special Needs Blog on Facebook. I'm on the gram, on I'm Instagram at jfellageller. I'm on Twitter at jfellageller74. And I'm even on LinkedIn. If you like to go the professional route, just punch my name into there. But many ways to get a hold of me, whichever way works for you is fine with me. But if you have a question and want to reach out, please do. You a hell of a fella, Geller. You hear me? <laughs> <laughs> 
You said you, you, you sound you sound like a close friend of mine because only he would tell me something like that. So I appreciate it. Most yeah. definitely, man. You heard it here first, man, on the Den John. Most definitely, man. Thank you. You could have been anywhere doing anything, but you decided to spend some time to come hang out with your boy Isaac at the Den, man. And I most definitely appreciate you. Absolutely. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, like I always end my show, if nobody tell you that they loved you today, Isaac, your boy Isaac, love you today, man. And with that, thank you for joining us at the Den. We out. Peace.